The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 433, coming to you on Thursday. June 2nd, 2022. We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Garcia. Join along with my co-host here in the Radio Tour Studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Deratola Castillo. Hello, everybody. Hello. You have, like, the weirdest sounding name now. You sound like some Spanish footballer. You should be, like, the striker for, like, Valladolid or something. (laughs) Way too many names on my Wikipedia page that doesn't exist. Yes. Uh, but I mean, what about, I, do you, would you rather just introduce me as Alicia Castillo? Does that that's sound weird. any no, more that's, natural that's to very you? very weird. I, that's my point. So I don't know. On my Twitter handle, I'm, I'm, I just added the Castillo at the end because none of this is official yet, by the way, because changing your name legally is a pain in the ass and, uh, I have not gone on that journey yet, but. I mean, You're gonna have to go to with be the fair, it's a journey no one wants to go on. No, no one wants to go on that yeah. journey. No. So, Any- anyways, we are back. We are back after a long hiatus. We have not recorded a podcast since February. A lot has happened then. Uh, back then in February, the talk of the town was SC getting this new quarterback, something named Williams, something Caleb Williams. Ever heard of him? I don't know. Uh, SC got him. Um, they then had spring ball and then have gotten another slew of dudes uh, through the transfer portal because it is the Lincoln Riley era and everything is changing. And Alicia, here's the worst part. I feel like I am so lost with all of this. Well, the part of the reason that we haven't podcasted in, in four months, um, which sorry about that, guys. Is that I think both of us have been living under a rock and like there have been times in the past where one of us has been living under a rock and so the other one could sort of carry an episode if we needed to. And (laughs) the last four months, we've both literally been living under a rock. 
And uh, and so, you know, we didn't have any time to record, but also we didn't necessarily have like ability to say anything interesting. Yeah, I think we take pride in knowing what we're talking about, right? And so this is one of those things where we like to be prepared for a podcast. We like to be prepared to talk to you guys and be completely open and, and honest and have candor in everything that we're talking about um, and either be an expert or tell you that we're not an expert. This is one of those moments where we're so not an expert and I'm so uncomfortable talking about this team. And yet I'm so fascinated about this team because interest in SC football right now feels like it is the at an all-time high, at least the first time in 10 years. Uh, 10 years ago when SC was the off-season number one team going into 2012, there was a lot of talk then, right? That's when, hell, that's when I started recording Radio Troy radio episodes, pre-Elysia at that time. Yeah. There was a lot of talk then. Well, and a lot even, of buzz. Even, you know, 2013, there was a lot of buzz. 2014, there was a sort of new amount of buzz. 2017? 2017, there was a lot of buzz. But it's just, I think it's totally different because there was sort of like hopeful buzz at those times. Right. Nothing quite like adding Lincoln Riley. And then on top of that, the addition of the transfer portal, creating this situation where you now get one of the top young quarterbacks in the in the game. You get a Bolitnikov winner, revamp the defense that, that just was not good last year with all sorts of players from Alabama and Auburn and Ohio State and other places. And it's like it's a whole new world and it's a whole new roster. And it's like we picked the worst time to not be... I picked the worst time to not be like have my head very, very deep in all of the 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 whirlwind because I, you know, over the past five years, I've known this roster inside and out like the back of my hand. And now it's an entirely new roster because there have been so many ins and outs. And it's just like this is a whole new team we we get to yeah. to meet a whole new team uh, this this coming fall. And the one thing that that gives me, at least, you know, some some validity to doing a podcast episode here is I don't think we're alone in that. I don't think no, we're the only ones so. who have had our, our I mean, I think there's a lot of excitement, but I think there are a lot of people out there, probably the majority of fans out there who don't follow these things super closely during the offseason. And they're going to arrive on uh, in, in September when the season starts. And suddenly it's going to be like, wait, who is that guy? Who is that guy? Who is that guy? So we're sort of, you know, right back there in it in the sort of fan chair. I think it's less so about like people not following. I think it's hard to keep up with everything that's gone on, right? Like we have been essentially keeping up with things the same way you guys have caught up because we didn't go to spring ball first time in years. We hadn't been to spring camp. Um, didn't go to the spring game. Uh, watched the spring game. It was super fascinating, obviously. And then we, we get married. We go on our honeymoon, all those sorts of things. And even then, there's still all this this turnover. SD gets Jordan Addison basically while we're still on our honeymoon. All these things that it's hard to keep up with. But at the same time, this is a moment where practices and spring camp are closed. Uh, the, the spring game is one opportunity for people to see live action, right? So it's not like there's a lot of information out there. We're sort of in the same boat as you guys right now, which is... I think gonna make make it sort of interesting for a podcast, at least for now, um, because we're just talking the same thing, right? And and we're super anxious to see what this team looks like come September, because 
who knows? And everyone's in the same boat right now, even when you look at, you know, the beat media that can't go to practice and see all these things because of media restrictions and all that. And you look at the list of guys who are new on this team, just dudes who have, are new that are committed or have uh, enrolled in, in summer school or whatever uh, since we last podcasted. Jordan Addison, Eric Gentry, Solomon Bird, Jacob Covington, Carson Ter- Tabarachi. I'm going with Tabarachi. Okay. And Bryson Shaw. Those are some dudes. Yeah. I mean, and these are dudes who like can legitimately contribute to USC's team. I'm Jordan Addison. Once Jordan Addison came uh, to USC, I saw people putting out like early top 25s and putting USC up in the top five. Now, I think that is absolutely insane. Um, a quarterback and a and a wide receiver, a top five team do not make. But uh, he obviously is going to help immensely to get this offense off the ground as quickly as possible, which is really going to be the thing that decides. The thing that's going to decide the overall trajectory of this season will be how guys like Eric Gentry and uh, Tabarachi and, and and these guys on defense that USC has added, Bryson Sean, et cetera, how they integrate, how quickly they get up to speed, how quickly everybody who's currently on the roster gets going with Alex Grinch's defense. All of that will determine the overall trajectory of USC this season. But the sooner the offense can hit the ground running, the more fun it'll be because then it won't matter so much as the defense works out their growing pains. Right. So like, yes, adding Jordan Addison is absolutely huge. There's no question about that. But you also now end up with USC in this situation where the hype was going to be off the charts, just adding Lincoln Riley alone. And now you've added Lincoln Riley and all of these really exciting players, new faces, new faces that you don't know the flaws of yet. So you're going to get excited about no matter what. And so not only are we dealing with a who are all of these people that have joined USC's team, but how do we now adjust our expectations? Because... You know, Eric Gentry might turn out to be a hugely impact player. He might not be. Certain, maybe not in year one. I don't know. I mean, like, it's just this is so hard to uh, to sort of piece out and see how many of these guys will make year one impact. How many of these guys will make year two, year three impact? I don't know. The I don't know that anyone has the answer right now. So I think everyone's just grasping at straws. Yeah, and it's weird because we we talked, you know, and. SC got Lincoln Riley, and we talked about it in December and January. What were the expectations going to be initially? And we, we, if I'm remembering right, we said don't expect a national championship, you know, immediately. Uh, that would be unfair to ask of anybody, Nick Saban included. He went six and six in his first year uh, at Alabama, so don't expect anything overnight. At the same point. SC, as is, was going to be a team that was going to be favored to at least be first or second in the Pac-12 South. On paper, they were going to be competitive to compete in the Pac-12 South, even though they didn't do it last year, right? Like, when you consider the the talent that's on this team, and you consider the the other teams in the division, and how some teams have taken a step back, some people, Utah, I guess, maybe doesn't take any steps back anymore, but... You know, but like, I think that's... SC was always going to be competitive in in the division, and you add in some competency just in terms of offensive scheme, and you should at least be 
as good as last year, if not better, right? Just well, you from should a very basic standpoint. Be better than last year. Last That's year not hard to certainly do. went by the wayside with the, with the injuries and and everything that compounded with that. Not having a head coach for the for the basically the whole. I mean, season. let's just be honest. That team absolutely fell apart. Like, yes, and yeah. that's the this roster needs needed to be rebuilt physically in terms of guys in and out, but also the, right. this roster needs to be rebuilt in terms of like, do these guys actually believe they can compete? Hundred percent. The problem that I see right now, just just to have the conversation about the expectations around this team, is that like I think there's a lot of disrespect being played to a team like Utah. And a coach like Kyle Whittingham. And I think that, you know, the idea that USC is just going to ruck up and like win the Pac-12 is being disrespectful to an Oregon team that we've seen win the North, that to the teams that can come out of the North. It's disrespectful to the fact that like David Shaw, Stanford could always come up and just punch USC in the mouth and, and then there's a loss. Like, I just think there's so many areas in this in this season that... Do I want to see USC roll through? Absolutely, I want to see them. I think there's a chance that everything comes together beautifully and suddenly everything works. But my worry is that like now the expectations are getting set so high that the moment USC loses their first game, like what is the reaction going to be to that? Because like, guess what, guys? USC is going to win a game. They're going to lose a game. And it's probably going to be in the first four games of the season, which wouldn't be ones where you would peg there to be a loss. So it's just like... I'm I'm in this weird state of I can't predict what's going to happen with USC. I don't think anyone else can predict what's going to happen with USC. And I I I want to almost sort of set the stage for people to accept that this season in the grand scheme of things isn't the end all be all and to just go with the flow and enjoy the ride and I I'm mad at myself because like We've spent the last five years telling people, like, whatever happens, it doesn't matter. Just try to enjoy what's there. And like I'm just, like, in a weird, like, I'm bracing. I'm bracing for this season in a completely different way than I braced for, like, last season or any season under Clay Hilton. Because, like, it was, like, bracing for, like, oh, if things go wrong, it's going to be a disaster. I'm, like, bracing for this of, like, if things even go slightly to the, to the you know, side that people want it to go, suddenly... Where like how will people respond to this idea of like Lincoln Riley not winning a national championship in year one? I I'm just I'm nervous. Yeah, th- which is why I think that we have to go back to what we were talking about at the very beginning. Don't expect a lot in year one. Except expect progress. But SC's roster was always going to be good enough to be competitive in a Pac-12 landscape that allows for competition. Right? I, I think that. To, to your point, this is Utah's division until SC takes it from them. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for SC to not necessarily be the... Well, let's be honest. SC will be predicted to win the South uh, at Media Day. Um, but it should be Utah, just because Utah's got that umph. Um, they've won it, what, two straight years? Three straight years? Am I crazy? No, two. Two. I, Two out of three years. Uh, <laughs> SC won it two years ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The the infamous year where SC went undefeated in the regular season. Yeah. Well, how do we forget these things? Well, the twenty twenty didn't, d- didn't didn't really wasn't exist. a thing. It yeah. didn't happen. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the last two full seasons, Utah's won uh, the Pac twelve South, and 
you know, in, in all honesty, they, sh- they should be the the favorite to win the South this year, but there's nothing stopping SC on paper. The point is going to be what can they do together? What can they learn together? How quickly can they become a cohesive unit? Um, when you have a completely new roster, that's going to take some time. And this is why I said early on, that Stanford game, I'm I'm sticking to it. The Stanford game is the first loss. The Stanford game is the first uh, loss. Th- I mean, it's at Stanford week two. I, <laughs> I've already said... There is said- nothing David Shaw wants in the world. Nothing. He wants more in the world than to go into that game and eliminate an entire offseason of SC hype by shutting SC up and using his entire offseason of pixie dust and game planning and magic and everything to have a three-win Stanford team beat SC. Well, Stanford's going to lose in week one because that's what Stanford does, and then they're going to come out in week two and beat USC. Like, that's just... We've seen this this movie before, we, so... We have, and I'm just... There's going to be early growing pains, and that's going to happen. I think that, to, to Lincoln Riley's credit, he's put together a roster... That is about as good as it can be for what how it's built. Uh, if you're going to to go out and get a transfer portal roster, this is the perfect roster to have in those instances, right? Uh, if you're if that's going to be the means for putting a roster together, this is an A plus roster. It still means that you've got to build the culture, you've got to build the cohesiveness, you've got to build the togetherness, and you got to have a great scheme. And luckily for Lincoln Riley, I think people believe in him to do those things. It's just a matter of giving him the time to having him prove that he can do it and having us see it. Okay. Number one, I take it back. Stanford's not going to lose in week one, but they are going to be pushed to the limit in hilarious ways by Colgate. Colgate. Because they play a toothpaste Uh in their first game. And they're going to... You're not supposed to get to the toothpaste joke before me. <laughs> but the point is that... The point that... was going to be like, <laughs> what, was Crest not available? They're going to be tied 9-9 with Colgate at halftime of that first game. You know what's weird about Colgate? Uh, you, you look into like college football history. Colgate was a freaking powerhouse in the yeah. 20s and the 30s. Yeah, but they're not anymore. <laughs> no, they're not. They're, they're FCS, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so but my point, my point being is that Stanford's going to come out and look real shaky in week one, and then they're going to beat USC just because that's the funniest outcome. They'll be minty clean after yes. that. Um, especially because like Tanner McKee is is kind of good, and you know all this kind of stuff. Whatever. Wait, hold on. Are you saying the Colgate game will leave a bad taste in people's mouth? Because I don't think that'll be the case. <laughs> yes, yes. That's that's exactly what I'm saying. But um, the the sort of the the bigger point here is that. Um, we're gonna, we've seen what teams have been able to do when they've really, um, added like a key transfer or two, like we've seen individual transfers have huge impacts for teams in, in the transfer portal era. And even, you know, before the transfer portal era, what I don't think we've seen necessarily, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because like maybe the closest we've seen is Michigan state. But, like, I don't know that we've seen anyone rebuild a roster on the scale that Lincoln Riley is doing with this roster right now. 
And we're probably going to see it happen more often unless the transfer portal gets blown up and regulated to hell and all that kind of stuff. But like, realistically, this is new territory for everybody. No one that I can think of has come in as a coach like Lincoln Riley and done the full like 40 guys swapped out situation. So I don't know that we even know what year one is supposed to look like under un, under these circumstances. Um, you've clearly added a lot of talent, but is it even possible that year one, like chemistry wise, in terms of everyone being on the same page, all that kind of stuff? It's a, it's a complete unknown. Yeah, it is an unknown, but at the same time, I, I think you have to give Lincoln Riley some of the benefit of the doubt offensively. Uh, this is Caleb Williams, who ran the same offense last year. This is, um, you know, uh, Mario Williams, one of his favorite receivers, who ran this offense last year. Um, this is Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff winner, who had 100 catches and led FBS with 17 TDs last year. There's reasons to give these players the benefit of the doubt. Um, and Travis Dye, who is, well, I think he's uh, the active Pac-12 leader in yards from scrimmage or something like that. Yeah, like, it's weird that we don't talk a lot about Travis Dye. Like in, in most years, USC getting Travis Dye would have been the biggest transfer of the year. Right, and he's like the fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's that's crazy. Yeah, and... I, I think that there's things on offense that you have to believe they're going to get better. If nothing else, then it has to be better than what SC had before. Defensively, um, albeit last year was like the worst USC defense we've ever seen in our lives. Um, at the same point, defensively on par with the, for the last you know five, six years, you've took an average of what that defense is. I would expect USC's defense this year to be just about that. Just because you've got so many different dudes learning a brand new system. Alex Grinch has no experience with any of those guys. It makes sense that there's going to be a learning process. But on offense, I don't think the learning process is nearly that steep. So here's the here's the issue, though, is, is we can sort of think about the whole season as like an average across the board, right? So like right. we want to see USC average 35 plus points a game i think that's probably a conservative estimate since lincoln riley is a 40 plus like a legitimate 40 plus points a game kind of offensive coordinator but let's go with you know we we want to see them average 35 points a game but like the thing you also ha you have to recognize you have to build into your expectations is that an average of 35 points per game doesn't mean that you score 35 points a game you might score 75 points against rice but if you ruck up and and I keep saying ruck up, where am I getting that from? Like, that's weird. If you turn up and um, if you turn up and score 16 points against Stanford, you can lose. And then the next week you can score 60 points against Oregon State. I think it's Oregon State. Um, and uh, sorry, against Fresno State. And then the next week you turn up at Oregon State and you score 25 points. But Oregon State's offense blows you away with with 35, 40 points. Right. And then you can, uh, against Arizona State, you're back up to 35 points, but you have another bad defensive game and you lose that like 42 to 43 or whatever. And then you go against Washington State and you score 70 points against them and you hold them to, to three points. So suddenly your defensive average looks better. And then you go to Utah and they hold you to 10 points because you have a bunch of turnovers and your defense holds them to... 
13 points because they have their own turnover problem and you've got like a 13-10 loss. But your defensive average looks okay in that, in that case. And your offensive average is still going to be 35. I'm not a math person, so like don't check these numbers. But you get what I'm saying. It's like you have yeah. the pendulum that swings throughout the season. And so I think we can say, yes, the defense across the board will be better or at the at, better than last year slash at the average USC defense sort of rate. And I think we can look at the offense and say they will be better than they've been. But they need to. There needs to be a, a a cohesion and a togetherness that you can't kind of predict or take from general levels of a team, right? They need to be at the same level at the same time in in so many games to actually produce wins. Because you could go six and six while seeing improvement on defense and offense. Just you had those improvements come at the wrong times, and right. you end up with all of those losses, like. That's what I'm trying to 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 get across to people is you can have a vastly improved USC team that only gets a couple of extra wins this season because stuff happens. Sure, sure. Because right? there are growing pains, because right. you face the wrong team at the wrong time, like because a million different reasons. So the way I look at it, I, I'm going to expect this defense to be... um. Basically, where SC has been the last few years, like a twenty-eight point defense, right? I, that's especially when SC is going to score so much on offense. We imagine, right? Um, they're going to get more opportunities to allow points. That's just how the game works. So, if they're going to be allowing twenty-eight, thirty points a game, if you averaged forty-five points a game, where your good games, you're you're dropping sixty on Rice, right? Um, and your poor games. You're, See, but you're, this, you're fighting for those 28, whoever gets the 28 points first. Yeah, you're going to end up in those in those areas where you're going to have those those difficult games. This, this that, that's past, just going to happen. This past season is a great example of what I was just talking about, where you give up 7, you give up 42. You give up 14, you give up 45. You give up 14, you give up 45. So 42, you give up 31. And then the last half of the season, they sort of evened out 31 34 31 62 35 24 but like you take that first chunk of the season and like that's what you need to be careful of like that's the that's the situation where you might be a 28 point defense but you need to be a consistently 28 point defense is that if that's the case right it's less about are you a 28 point defense and what is the max number of points that you will give up in a game so here's one way. How vulnerable are you? Yeah, you you want you ideally would rather give up 28 exactly every game because that would give you the best opportunity to win the most amount of games. Yes, for sure, I agree. At the same point, I don't have a lot of confidence in teams in the Pac-12. I don't either. So that's part and so of the like, reason. yes, SC gave up 40 points a lot last year. They gave up what was it 62 to UCLA. An ungodly yeah. amount, right? Yeah. Like, so it's it's a little, you know. I I see the irony in sitting here and saying I don't have confidence in Pac-12 teams scoring a lot of points, um, when they literally just did it on a really bad USC defense. I get that. <laughs> if you want to clip this and tell me how stupid I sound, I you know I'm all for it. Um, hundred percent, I get it. Um, at the same point, like I, the way I I look at things right now. The Pac-12, I think, is a little wee bit more defensive and low scoring than the Big 12 is. 
in part because the Big 12 is so heavy with all the air raid teams, all the teams that are, you know, going to play that game. Texas Tech is going to play that game, right? Like historically. Uh, maybe not exactly this version of Texas Tech, but historically Texas Tech is going to be like, you know what? We're going to we're going to run the ball with you. We're we're, we're going to run and shoot with you. We're we're going to do the air raid and try to just do it better than you and try to first to 50 wins, right? And the Pac-12 doesn't exactly have teams like that um at the same, you know, quantity, right? Is UW a team that's going to throw the ball around and try to score 50 points? I don't think so. I don't think Cal is that team. Uh, Stanford surely has their moments. Uh, and we'd be <laughs> stupid to say that the- they couldn't. <laughs> uh, but, like, is Arizona that team last year? Arizona looked very, you know, uh, three yards in a cloud of dust last year. And so the, the way I look at it, this is going to be interesting because I think SC might end up having an offense that is better um, than they've been in the past. And you would hope that they're on par with what Oklahoma was doing, which every year of Lincoln Riley's tenure in in Norman, they were averaging 40 points until last year. They averaged uh, 39.1. So, wow. Exactly. Like maybe, I said, maybe I, the Sooner fans are right. Only thirty nine. Only thirty nine. He really, he really yeah. tanked the season to try to go to USC, guys. Yeah, absolutely. You Jeez. know, he couldn't leave Oklahoma unless Oklahoma had a bad, quote unquote, bad season yeah, where they barely exactly. didn't make the Big Twelve. Whatever. Um, but I was just looking through um, Alex Grinch's numbers at the different stops that he's had. That he's had, and obviously he takes over Washington State. And, his best numbers were at Wazoo. Well, his his most impressive job is at Wazoo because he takes a defense that had given up 38.6 points per game the year before, and he takes them to average 27.7 points per game. So, like, I think that when you're looking at it, Alex Grinch has definitely been a sort of 25 to 28 point um, defensive coordinator for, for the majority of his career. And what he did at... Um, what he did at Washington state is very impressive because he didn't have the greatest talent there. And every year that defense got better. Um, he goes to Ohio state and averages 25.5 points per game allowed, um, which I'm looking through the numbers. And this is where I think, again, I want to caution USC fans about what they're going to expect from this season. Because when you look at Alex Grinch's defenses, and this will be a reflection too of he's tended to have defenses that are counter to that are that are playing opposite um high powered offenses that that are trying to be explosive so this happens but a lot of his sort of game by games are limits them to 14 or gives up 30 limits them to 14 or gives up 30 and like at Oklahoma that worked out fine because when they score you know 30 you can score 40 when they you know there's there's a run of games here in his first year at Oklahoma where they win you know they lose 40 48 41 they win 42 41 they win 34 31 so like there are definitely those games that um you need to accept will happen this year there will be games where USC gives up 35 points it's just inevitable like in a first year under the defense, they're not going to be able to be consistent. I think that's asking a lot, which is why 
I get the hype around the offense because it doesn't matter if your defense gives up 35 points if you have Caleb Williams and Jordan Jordan Addison going, you know, crazy. But you also will occasionally run into a team like Utah that on on Utah's day can turn your offensive game plan into soup. And you might run into a David Shaw masterclass, and we've seen what David Shaw masterclasses look like. Um, right. So... Like, I'm not trying to be a downer. I think the season's going to be really, really fun. I just, like, I'm looking at it and thinking... I mean, you're kind of being a downer. I'm being a downer, and I don't wow. mean to. I don't mean to. Because that's you can... Least, I think you can have a really successful season that's, like, eight and four. And, like, I would be... And looking forward to the next next season. Well, um, so this is the thing that I think sucks about hype, is... If, if you would have told anyone in December that SC would have... A, an eight and four season, an optimistic eight and four season. You'd be like, "Yeah, that seems absolutely doable." It's a With Lincoln Riley, year. yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, sign me up. Blah blah blah. Now, if you said oh, you're going to add the Bolitnikov winner, you're going to add Caleb Williams, you're going to add Detroit, uh, Travis Dye, yeah, and and Gentry and all these dudes, Romello Height and and now, how would you feel about going eight and four? The the hype ends ends up this thing where people are like, well, now that sucks. That's just yeah. <laughs> and it's like I think that we still have to remember it's year one. Um, if it's eight and four, year two, three, four, that's a whole different story. Oh, like, year two, you year... know, I I, I yeah. wanted there. There's a middle ground between you know giving someone leeway in year one versus allowing the Chip Kelly thing to happen at UCLA. Where, where you get into year four and it's like, well, where are we now? Year five. Right. In year and, five? And, <laughs> you know, to Chip Kelly's credit, <laughs> if he keeps going upwards, then he just took about two years too late to start doing it, right? He's, he's going to be on the tra- on the Clay Helton tra- trajectory where he does just well enough that people think, well, next year you give him a shot. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But, like, he... He first three four years were uh, three years were not good enough at, at at UCLA. Even if they they made gains in the eye test, and I think they did, like in back in twenty twenty, and we talked about it before that twenty twenty UCLA I thought looked good and looked way better than their record did. It didn't matter because they weren't getting the wins, and they didn't get the wins until last year. But even then, they weren't getting a million wins. Um, and this team has not performed, maybe as as you would have expected, because it was Chip Kelly, the best hire UCLA could have gotten. Well, I think the best hire they could have gotten. They've developed three-star talent into NFL draft picks, Michael. Didn't you hear? This is true. Something that you can't do. <laughs> there was a tweet that UCLA put out that even UCLA fans were like, guys, are we really bragging about this? Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, the, the way I see it, um, I, I, put a, I put a question on our rundown. How do you feel about the expectations? And do the new additions change things for you? I think the answer to that to. for me is no. I think they shouldn't. <laughs> okay. I understand why they do, and I understand why people are reevaluating things, but I think that they should not. Because, yes, there's so much ex- uh, offensive talent on this team that they should be the best offense in the Pac-12 and all those things. At the same point, it is year one. There's so many new, fresh faces we, who the hell knows what the starting lineup is going to be at all outside of Caleb Williams is obviously the starting quarterback. 
you have to see you have to see how everything comes together. Um, I am optimistic about USC's chances in in year one to compete and and you know potentially win the the division and and compete for the Pac-12 at large. Absolutely, I I am you know bullish on those things. I still don't think that it, it is it makes it a make or break just because you got the Bolitnikov winner. See, and I disagree. I don't think I think I you and I are on the same page about like going into the season with very flexible expectations because it is year one. But I think this the the additions change a lot of things for me. Um, Jordan Addison is a very very good receiver. Uh, in your USC was going from a situation where they were losing a guy like Drake London, all time great as far as I'm concerned at USC. And not replacing him with another player on that level proven. I think you were replacing him with a lot of players who have good potential and you sort of have hope for, but haven't proven on the level that Jordan Addison has proven that he can be an elite top tier, you know, top five receiver in the country. Um, Obviously, number one receiver in the country because of the Blitnikoff Award and all that. But like you weren't going to replace Drake London with a caliber of player that's that's anywhere close to. Jordan Addison is at this exact moment proven and now you have him there in addition to the Mario William things in addition to adding a bunch more wide receivers in terms of depth and in terms of who can now you know Gary Bryan Jr. now USC doesn't have to rely on Gary Bryan Jr. Gary Bryan Jr. can come up and be an important player for USC if he if he plays at that level. They don't have to rely on him replacing Drake London's yes. production. No, no, no. But that's my point is if Gary Bryan Jr. can't get the job done, and I think he can, but like, let's say he can't, instead of having literally no one else on the roster, suddenly you have Mario Williams might get the job done instead, or Brendan Rice might get the job done instead, or, you know, insert names here. You've added that number of player, people at running back, you know. Now, instead of having a group of, well, maybe these guys will be good, you have, you, Die is a proven runner in the Pac 12. And you've added, you've added additional players there that you think you can maybe, you know, get something out of, but you've added proven production on offense in a way that I don't think we've seen from USC. And that has to change the way you go into this offensive equation. Because, like I said, all things considered, I might have looked at this offense and said, well, we're going to start them out at like a 30, 30 points a game because they're going to just be learning and getting into the groove of a new system. Those players are worth a touchdown or two. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, I, I get that. I think for me, it's not about Jordan Addison. It's that you brought in everybody else because SC's problem has not been replacing the star players. SC has had star players. It's how are you getting the collective unit of things. And maybe the wide receiver core is a terrible example for this because SC has had so many stars at wide receiver that hasn't mattered, but the problem isn't replacing Drake London's numbers. It's replacing a, or, or it's establishing a wide receiver core that is extremely productive as a unit. Yeah. And that's my thing is replacing Drake London isn't less necessarily about the numbers. It's about, the receiver who the defense has to pay special attention to has to know where he is at every moment on the field. 
And I don't think USC was going to go into this season with that player who defenses had to account for but it, no it matter what. But it wouldn't have mattered if you would have had but like Jordan five Addison, guys with 40 catches. But you know Jordan, what I mean? Jordan Addison being on the field will mean either he's going to be making the play or the right. defense is going to be accounting for him in a way that Drake Lennon was accounting, yes. having defenses account for him. Yes, but I like that. You have him there, and it makes it so much easier on Brendan on, Rice. Yes, on Mario and Williams and and Gary the guys Bryan who are Jr. coming and all back. those yeah. guys. Yes, yeah. So I think he makes life Taj easy. Washington. Yeah, Taj Washington. He makes life easier for the players on USC's Kyrie offense. Yeah. Now the bigger Michael area, the, the bigger area, John Jackson, <laughs> the bigger area of question. Michael Trigg, uh, not Michael Trigg. Um, definitely not Michael. Trigg. Malcolm Epps. <laughs> Uh, definitely not Michael Trigg said um, the bigger area of the transfer sort of impact. I think it's interesting that USC has added guys on on offense who are transfer impact guys like on an individual level where like you've been a productive running back. You've been a productive wide receiver on defense. They've added just so many guys who are like, maybe, maybe, maybe like there's a lot of potential Stevie Tuukulavatu's out there in the sense of like in the profile of Stevie T was not like a marquee transfer. He was a depth guy at Utah who just needed the chance to come in and and, and take over a defense and, and be that that linchpin. And so my question for the rest of, you know, the, the coming months is going to be like, who's going to be that guy? We've heard a lot of good things about uh, Eric Gentry We've heard a lot of good things about um, Romello Height. We've we've uh, you know just see um, McCutcheon, the the corner from Oklahoma, has a lot of talent. Uh, who are going to be those guys on defense who fill the many, 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 many gaps that exist on this team on the defensive side of the ball? Because they're the guys who are going to make the difference in 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 the long run. Like. They're the guys who are going to determine whether or not this team has Pac-12 winning ability. Um, Shane Lee is a, is is a big one on that too. Like those are the guys that I'm really interested in who will reshape the team in ways that are going to be more subtle than the right. offensive guys, but like are way more important because you had, like you said, USC could have gone into next season with this with the offense as it was. And still had a lot of potential and still could have had a successful offense. The defense could not go into this year as it was. It needed a full rebuild. And that's pretty much what they've done with just a bunch of names that we're going to have to get familiar with. Well, it's like Gerard at USFootball.com talks about the brick brick and mortar. Yeah, the brick and mortar guys. Yes. Yeah. And and so those are the mortar guys. Those are not the brick guys. Right. And. Uh, Shane Lee, even though he comes from Alabama, he's more of the the mortar guy in this situation. Um, even if he's going to be a brick at times, sure. You want yeah, him to D- be a Damani brick, but... Jackson, you hope is one of your bricks. Yes, but when you're bringing in, you know, the the safeties that you've added, um, when you're bringing in the the linebacker depth that you've added, right now we don't know who among those are bricks. I think Shane Lee's probably a brick, to be honest. I think you hope he's a brick. I think you want him In to reality, be a brick. he's the mortar guy. Well, he needs to be a mortar guy because I mean, yeah, because theoretically Julian Simon is a is a brick. Theoretically. But he needs to get in there and like The the, the point is if all those guys are playing a strong role, then yes, you can if this season is a success for SC, if they win ten games, 
if they win the division or the Pac-12, whatever that is, you will look back at this season and say enough of those gambles that SC made in the transfer portal paid off. Yeah, absolutely. I think you need a you need how many defensive players has USC added in the transfer portal? It's a fair bit. Do we even have Cer- a list? Certainly got fewer stars. Barquet, uh, Tulaney, Barquette, by the Barquette, Tulaney, Makai Blackman, McCutcheon, both corners, um, Romello Height, Shane Lee, Bryson Shaw, Eric Gentry, Solomon Bird, Jacob. Is it Jacob or Jacoby? Covington. Uh, I'll just go with Covington. Astani. Sinjin Astani, a defensive lineman, and then Tabarachi, the uh, the linebacker. So we're talking like 15 dudes on defense that have added. You need right. at least five of those to and be like starter types. Too, so yeah, yeah. Um, you're looking you're looking for four of four of those at least to be starters this season. Hey, Bryson Shaw was third on the Buckeyes last year in tackles. In tackles, yeah. And start. and and uh, and Shane Lee was. Um, he started for Alabama, like as a freshman. Again, I think Shane Lee and Bryson Shaw are actually really interesting players, uh, given their profiles. Both of them were young guys at their sort of marquee schools that got thrown in as young players and asked to do a lot of things and maybe weren't like ready to be stars at the time they were, they were thrown in, but they got that experience, they got that production in, and you could build defenses around them. It was going to be interesting. We talk about brick and mortar. They were brought into Ohio State and Alabama as mortar guys. Yes. And had to be thrown into the fire as brick dudes because they were replacing brick dudes yes. who, who were injured or or, 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 or had what, gaps whatnot. in their roster and they just, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and then they found themselves on the way out because they were still labeled as mortar guys. And now SC hopes that they actually are brick, are guys. brick guys. Yeah. yeah. And these are these are gambles. All of these players are gambles. You don't know if they will be better than the guys that were there or are there. So there's just a lot of interesting dynamics on this team. Um, a lot of guys who don't know each other. You hope that they're taking personality types into account and that there's a togetherness on the team. I, I, are you wanting some INFJs? Is that right? Is that right? I-N- INF- I never I INF- INF- I never get those. Letters. I know INFP is one. Is it is the alternate J, INTJ? Yes. So it, the last one is a P or a J. Yes. Don't ask. Myers Briggs personality. I don't tests. know what any of that means. Sure. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, I I did put a call out for for mailbag questions. So let's let's go over some of those. Uh, you guys are awesome and responded on Twitter. Uh, first one comes from Jonathan. It says. Uh, what would you take over under nine USC wins or push? Uh, what do you think? Nine USC wins. I'm just going to go along with my downer vibes from today and I'll just, I'll take that under. Wow. I think you lose a game you don't expect in the first four games and that's probably Stanford, but it might be somebody else. And wow. I think you. I think there are wow. many opportunities to lose four games in this season. I think there are many no, opportunities. I, I don't disagree with that sentiment, but I think it's a strongly like nine wins. Is it? Like I think it's yeah, yeah. nine wins. Like, nine think, wins is probably. I think it's yeah. nine wins. You hope it's ten, but it's nine wins. I think it's just solidly nine wins. Yeah, that's probably fair in the Pac-12, but I'm also. 
I don't know. Next question. Will USC have two 1,000-yard receivers like they did in 2019? That's an interesting one. I, I think it depends on what the balance is like. I think one of the interesting parts to this is that the receiving core has so many new dudes. Yes, um, you know, Addison is going to be the, you would expect to, to be a featured guy, and Mario Williams is going to be a featured guy because he's got experience with Caleb Williams. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna go pretty pretty um confidently that yes, they will have two one thousand yard receivers. I think Jordan Addison is a shoe in to be a thousand yard receiver. And then could I imagine one of Mario Williams, Gary Bryan Jr., um you know, any any one of uh Brendan Rice or uh even one of the freshmen coming in and just having a thousand yards. I I wouldn't necessarily be surprised the only caveat i'll put to that is obviously the health permitting uh, if everyone stays healthy if you know you always could end up with a situation where jordan addison misses three or four games and has 900 yards and whatever so in the spirit of the conversation yes i do think usc can have two 1000 yard receivers okay so lincoln rally's been at oklahoma since what 2015 or something like that Mm -hmm. are you about to tell me that they haven't had two (laughs) 1000 yard receivers because can i can i say something weird about oklahoma oklahoma has weirdly lacked receiver talent weirdly what are you talking about? in the last like five years they haven't had like what the am i am i crazy yes you are i think that some of the big some of the some of the biggest name receivers. Oh, C.D. Lamb. Okay. C.D. Lamb, Hollywood okay. Brown. Okay, but, okay, C.D. Lamb, they didn't have, Charleston Rambo was the second best player on that team. So, like, they haven't had a stacked receiver room, though. Like, it's either C.D. Lamb or okay. Hollywood. Well, actually, C.D. Lamb, Hollywood Brown. In 1,000 yard receivers. Yes. Yes. So, there in, you go. In 2018, it, it, they did do, it once. In 2019, they, sorry, in, uh, when was another season? In 2017, they nearly did it with, with Mark uh, Andrews. With Mark Andrews, the tight end. Who, yeah. Who was it? So and then and then 16 D.D. Westbrook. They just don't have anyone else. D.D. Like, Westbrook was a Heisman. No, finalist. that's what I'm saying. D- they have the, the one, one really. They have the one really good receiver, but not like the 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 group of like really good receivers. And when they did. When they had the objectively two great receivers, okay, they on. got the thousand yards. Let's talk about USC's receiving core. I think that if you didn't watch USC every single year, you'd probably say the same thing. Yes, but be- USC be- often had Drake London's big season. Of, yeah, was not the same year that it was Michael Pittman's big. Yeah, season. but this is a new. And so usually you look at the numbers and it's like one big SC receiver. But a lot of that had significantly- to do. A lot of that had to do with that has to do with recruiting. Yes, is but you're like- adding all these little stipulations. And yeah. That if you're an Oklahoma fan, you could say all these little oh, details yeah. about their situation. Yeah, yeah, I've, that's fair. Saying? That's totally fair. Absolutely. I apologize for the Oklahoma slander. Whatever. Actually, I don't. Well, whatever. I apologize to the Oklahoma no, wide receiver slander. S- no, I'm, I'm just saying, saying that. What I'm saying is that this is a new era where like transfer portal shakes up the cycle of receivers thing. I'm just saying it's extremely rare to have like multiple thousand yard guys in general. I will say that that is not a normality. The the reason USC won't have two 1000 yard receivers is not because they don't have people capable of it, but because somebody who would be in there will be injured. That's fair. That that would be my guess. The way I see it, I think there's too many dudes. I, I think there's too many dudes. Brendan Rice, Taj Washington, uh, Bynum, um, 
all these guys that are maybe not the top three, and the top three are Addison, uh, Mario Williams, and Gary Bryant Jr., you would assume at this point, right? Yeah. Um, but there's all these other dudes underneath them, Kyron Roy Hudson, like all these guys that are Michael Jackson the third trying to get in there, right? So. That's the funny thing too about this roster is like it's easy to focus on all the transfers when like there's still some dudes on this roster that could have immense breakout seasons at right. at that kind of position. Like, like I think it's easy to forget about like C.J. Williams could be you know an absolute stud. Or just name a player and see if they're still on the roster. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Abe Markowitz. Yeah. Not on the roster, but I mean, he he was for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> Poor Kyle Ford, like just Kyle Ford, completely still on the forgotten. Roster. Yeah, Brew McCoy, not on the roster. Yes. Uh, let's get to a question from Troy. Are you in favor or against USC occasionally wearing '90s throwback uniforms? The answer is yes. We've talked about this before. If SC is going to wear throwbacks, they need to wear what I call the Robinson stripes, which are the uh, striped jerseys that. Uh, that they wore from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yes, updated throwback 90s uniforms with the stripes on the side, on the uh, on the shoulder. I am here for them. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, stripes on the sleeves, I would say. Yep. Uh, let's go to a question from Marcelo. How good bad is this defense going to be really? How bad good do they have to be? Uh <laughs> like bad li- good. To like be fair. we he talked said about bad, though. Good, not good, bad. I think they're going to be quote unquote bad in the sense of like they're going to be a defense that's going to occasionally give up 35 points 40 points but if they limit that to just a couple games and if those games happen to be games where the offense where it becomes where they give up 40 points because it's a shootout and not because it's the Stanford game all over again where it's just suddenly like did you guys forget how to play football? I think that's much more palatable yes by the way If, if you're giving up 40 points in a 45 to 40 game I can live with that. It's when you give up, you know, 45 to 14 games that are like, oh, my gosh, this is this is horrendous. So I think they will be bad in the sense that they're going to give up a lot of points. I think there's a chance that they will be good in that they can. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of talent there. If they if they can get to a point where there are 28 point defense, I think you take that. Yes. I, I Because that a, implies that for every game that you give up 35 points, you're limiting a team to under 20. I have a philosophy. Yes. This is what I urge you to do about this defense. And just, this is not because I have no faith in this defense in, or anything just, like that. Just let it go. Go in with absolutely zero expectations. Yes. I like Alex Grinch a lot. I, I really like what he did at Washington State. Will he ever be that good of a defensive coordinator again? I don't know. We'll we'll see. I don't think he's Dave Aranda. But I don't think he's Dave Aranda. But at the same point, no, you don't necessarily have to when you're going to have a high potent offense. But your defense is still limiting factor at the very top end of end of life, right? <laughs> For what this team can possibly get you, right? Um, at the same point, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this defense because they've got pieces, but they're it's a ragtag bunch. Um, Kalen Bullock, I think we all think is going to be a superstar. Uh, Corey Foreman has the makings of being a superstar. Can they be? Brandon Peely is back as a sort of an underrated thing. Yeah, it's on just this a million defense. question like, marks. So if you go with literally yeah. no expectations, they can't disappoint you. Yes. Moving on. Question from Andy. USC football outlook for the next five years. I would, I would say good. Pretty damn good. 
I'm going to put it down and say that I think in the next five years, USC should win the Pac-12 no less than three times. I think you probably don't win it this first year. And then over the next four years, you're going to have at least one year where you're going to be down. But like, I think winning the Pac-12 three out of five years is is um, something that Lincoln Riley is capable of doing with the the powerhouse that he has with the USC recruiting, transfer portal, all that kind of stuff. So like, to me, that outlook is great. I'm not even going to talk national championships because I don't know what the state of college football is going to be. Um, but if I say three of five titles, uh, Pac-12 titles, I think that will be a lot of fun. All right. Uh, let's go to a question from Alex. How do the average USC fan uh, get involved with NIL? I have no idea. That is absolutely a question uh, I know nothing about. The answer is you do not. Um, maybe you go buy Beats headphones to support Caleb Williams. Although I don't know how Beats will know that you're buying Beats headphones in support of Caleb no, but Williams. You buy so Beats like, headphones, which allow Beats to go to continue to make money, USC which will athlete. yeah, yeah. Like the again, you don't get directly involved in NIL. Um, that is still a violation. No, you know what you um, do, and, and this and is they're going to crack this, down on this way more, guys. So like, seriously, don't. This is not NIL directly, but you know how you get involved with. Or, Buy dudes NFTs if you feel like buying NFTs. Like, if you feel like throwing that money down the drain, you do that. But, um, well, what I was going to say go is go to their merch stores and buy their merch. Like, do it that way. Don't get involved in other ways. I mean, there's always the old fashioned way of the cardinal and gold and the committee and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's not an AL. Doesn't answer the question, yeah. but. I would love to have enough money to be able to ponder the idea of how to get involved in NIL, but I do not, and I don't think the vast majority of, of uh, that uh, is of absolutely something I never want to get involved in because yeah. the headache and the stress. Well, and again, the working. NCAA is going to continue to crack down on this kind of stuff. So, like again, if a dude has a merch store, buy from there. If a dude's selling an NFT, buy their NFT. If a dude is repping a brand, buy that brand. But like other than that, stay out of it. Yeah. Let's go to a question from Chris uh, Trevino from usfootball.com. What's a quote you say a lot, but no one gets? Okay, so in this household, this happens to both of us on a regular basis, because I will quote all sorts of things, and my lovely husband over there uh, doesn't know anything pop uh, pop culture-wise of the things that I know. What are you talking and, about? I know pop culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and he is constantly quoting Seinfeld, and I don't get it. And so then, what do we do? We go on YouTube, and he pulls up the exact clip because people have clipped Seinfeld to death. The exact clip of things that uh, that, that that is that that storyline. So now I know why he talks about Ukraine not being weak or whatever. Okay, we need an that is time and place. That's not, no. Was it? Yeah, we support Ukraine. We we do support Ukraine, yes. but I'm saying. That's not the quote to share at the moment here. Well, that uh, was the, that that was the one that was the most topical because you had told me that because we were playing Risk, and so you oh, showed fair. me the episode of, of, of the Risk game, and which was then, right before the whole, which thing. was like okay. in December. So then it was like, wait, no, I know this quote that everyone's yeah. using now. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the answer for me is it's obscure Seinfeld quotes, the obscure ones, like everyone knows, yada yada yada. Um, real and spectacular, uh, master of your domain, all those kind of things. I love dropping an obscure Seinfeld quote 
Like someone says barometer and you say it's pronounced thermometer, which is one of my all time favorite Kramer quotes from um, that's the Millennium Party that Newman is going to host. And they're talking about uh, what what's a barometer anyways? And Kramer's like, it's pronounced thermometer. It's the stupidest thing that makes no sense, but it makes me laugh every time. Uh, and then another one that I'll that I'll throw out there periodically is it's European. You heard me say that? I feel oh, like no. I said I'm that. sure I have. I still don't get it. <laughs> Jerry getting getting uh, made fun of for his uh, his European carry all. Oh yeah. Oh no no no. I, I do. It's I, European. No, I do know about this one. Yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's, it's some sort of like obscure. I've decided that I'm gonna start just obscurely. Quoting Bluey on a regular basis. Oh, God. Um, like, every time I go pee before I leave the house or before I go to bed, I'm just going to call it a tactical wee. Um, it's Is just that my a new Bluey thing. quote? It's a Bluey quote. Yeah, but I showed you that TikTok. You're not supposed to do that. What? Remember that Oh, t- yeah, you did show me that TikTok. And then I laughed because I watched the TikTok of the Bluey episode where Bingo says that she's doing a tactical wee. She's she's go, d- doing a wee so that in case she, even though she doesn't feel like she needs to do a wee, she's doing one just in case so she doesn't wet, wet the bed. And the dad said, that's very smart of you, Bingo. And Bingo says, yes, it's a tactical wee. And I laughed. But Michael showed me a TikTok of a person who said that you shouldn't go, you shouldn't go pee unless you feel the urgency to go pee because then you're telling your bladder that... The, you're, you're basically you're training your, your bladder. Your, yeah. your bladder not to have those urges. So then you can't uh, understand those urges when you have to be. Yeah, but I'm also someone who just like I he gets mad the, at me because I have the like the, the, the tactical pee should be like before you go to bed. That's a tactical yeah, pee. Yeah, yeah, but and you see, know me, I do a tactical. I, I, pee. my mom was like a big proponent of the tactical pee. Like you go to the movie theater, just go two drips. That's where she always <laughs> two drips, which sounds so weird. And then you'd go and you'd end up, you know. Just going, and then she's like, "See, told you, bro." Okay. Well, now that we've gotten that discussion out of the way, the other one I like to do is, uh, "I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy." Do you know that one? No. I say that randomly, just to myself as I'm in the kitchen, like if, and it's weird because if like I pick up a knife, I'll go like, "I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy." From um from the movie Ending to Make You Watch, The Rock. One of the bad guys says that to Nicolas Cage, and then Nicolas Cage is, is locked up in one of the cells later on, and he just like is laying there going, like, I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. And he just says it like over and over and over again. My brothers and I say this to us to, to each other. Alright. Anyways, uh we got a question from Joe. <laughs> we'll need a wedding recap. Oh, the wedding was so, great. So it's been over a month now. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. The wedding was great. Um, we had it at my aunt's. My aunt and uncle have a property in the Angeles National Forest. And so we had a, a beautiful uh, outdoor wedding. The weather was nice. Um, no rain. No rain, which we, we had been praying for for a long, long time. Um, my uncle was able to officiate. Um, all of our friends and family were there. Uh, we had a really, really good time. Michael sabered a champagne bottle, 
that later cut open my finger. Um, so that was fun. Don't listen to your <laughs> new wife when she's like, I'll just grab this bottle that with the sharp edge, no problem. <laughs> As we're literally leaving to get into the into the car. <laughs> just, oh, I'm bleeding. Um yeah, it was super fun. Oh, the the uh, the Trojan marching band uh, came. Yeah, they a section by. of uh, stopped by. We are extremely grateful to them for coming and and uh, providing some entertainment. Everybody absolutely loved it. It was kind of a surreal moment for Michael and I uh, to be standing there on the dance floor, front and center. The, the crazy part is, we knew they were coming. Yeah, and it was still and it like, was still like when the when the when, drums when started. You could hear it, was just it, it was like. Oh. like Oh shoot, it's happening. And then like you're just sitting there like you're just vibing in the music and then they play uh they play Conquest and they okay, play so Tusk. I, and- I have to I have to share this little listener thing little thing with the listeners. I'm an emotional person. He is. Over things that make no sense. He watches sports highlights of teams that he doesn't follow and they make him cry. Yes. Basically. I can watch the the Cunaguero go goal. He's in not a he's not a Manchester City fan. No, I can watch that thing and I will weep. Yeah, because like there's something magical sports. about like sports moments that you would watch on TV in a movie or something, and yet when it's real life, like how freaking poetic life is that this thing happened. Right? I go watch Alex Mar- Alex Martinez's goal. Game five of the 2014 Stanley Cup playoffs, Stanley Cup finals, and I weep, right? Like, not only because of the Kings, but Doc Emmerich saying, the Stanley Cup! Like, it's yep. the greatest thing ever, right? Anyways, and one of the things I love to do in the offseason, right but at the end of the offseason, right before college football starts, is listen to band music. It gets me in the mood for football. And I will go and I'll watch, like, people at West Virginia games singing Country Roads. And it gives me chills. And the vapors and the the, the gentle weeps and all those things, right? <laughs> and so, like, there was just this moment at the wedding where, like, Conquest is playing. And I'm like, don't be a weirdo and cry. <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing? I can't do that. So, yeah. yeah. And then all I the did tro- not. I did not. All the Trojans who were guests at the wedding, we got up and we got a, a photo with the band. And yeah, it was it yeah, was it was, it was an fun. awesome fun time to. It, it was surreal having a moment where it was like everyone that you knew in life was there. Yeah, you know how weird that is. Yeah, yeah, and like sort of like the mixed, the sort of like I know you from a thing, but I know you from a thing, and yeah, you guys my, don't know each my other. Boss, my mom. Yeah, and. Like, my friends were all in the same place. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But awesome. But yeah, weird. But, but weird, yeah. 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 Super cool. And it was fun because I had a, um, or a, one of the family friends who was there is a semi-recent graduate of USC. So, like, she was standing next to me and we were doing all, like, the student section kind of stuff that you used to do. And, like, you're looking at, at us like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, that's so random. Um, sorry for the curse word. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was super fun. The whole thing was, the whole thing was very, very fun. Yeah. And we, we do have to give a huge shout out to our friend, Brandon. Yes. Who Brandon provided the, oh, the his, highlight. his company provided the, the catering. Yes. Uh, when pigs fly barbecue, which is now run 
um, by by Izzy as well. And so Izzy did all the, all the cooking. Oh my god! Brandon gosh. was very staunch to like make sure that she gets credit for everything. Yes, but, but when okay, if you are ever in Vista, California, if you the next time USC's in the Holiday Bowl and you're driving down to San Diego or anything like that, go to Vista. Go to When Pigs Fly Barbecue. It is outstanding. I still, still, it's a month later, Michael. And what have I been craving for the last two weeks? Just every a night. Like, what do you want? Big ass plate of mac. I want When Pigs Fly Mac and Cheese. That's what I want. I'm not getting it because it's, uh, we can't get it. But like that, oh my gosh, I just dream of that mac and cheese. So yes, yes Brandon, thank you for uh, putting your hand up and, and saying, hey guys, you guys want catering for the wedding. And oh, that was such a great decision that we made and, and such an awesome offer from Brandon, who's a, who's a listener. So yeah. Yeah. So we're super thankful for that. Um, wedding was awesome. Uh, then we went on our honeymoon, which was a... 10-day Alaskan cruise out of San Francisco round trip, which was a blast. We were the youngest people by many years <laughs> on the ship, but it was ser- seriously a uh, yeah. trip of a lifetime. If you can, if you have the means to go to Glacier Bay at any point in your life, just do it. Because, like, it's uh, sadly, it's it's not the kind of thing that will be the same. People, you know, our children won't get to see Glacier Bay the way we saw it. I don't necessarily th- think that that's the case, but well, if the glaciers are receding, so it's going to be a different. But here's experience. the interesting thing about Glacier Bay, and the, the and the thing that so when you see calving, which is when the chunks of ice fall off the off the glaciers, it's the coolest thing ever. And then part of you is like, oh my god, I'm watching global warming. This is the worst thing of all time. But it yes and no. At they the same would be. Time. That's the crazy thing because that we learned. some glaciers are very sustainable. Like, you know, the John Hopkins Glacier is super, like, net positive for how much that, that it gets. And then you got the Marjorie Glacier, which is just recently in the last couple of years, you know, turned slightly uh, negative it's, where it's, it's, it's losing more than it than it gains. Yeah. Um. So that one's starting to recede just a little bit. But, like, so many of those things are are not receding in the way that, that they are. My and point. So, my point is more that, like... It's one of those things in nature that's just constantly changing. Like, well, yeah. it looks different than it did 20 years ago. And I'm not going to say it's not going to be worth going to in 20 years. Right. But it'll be like a different experience, I think. And it's just so beautiful. Alaska itself is such a beautiful place that, like, I think it's just worth going to see the majesty of glaciers in any opportunity that you get to go see a glacier. Like, whether you're seeing a glacier in Glacier Bay or... If you're down in Argentina or something, or if you're in like the, um, I don't know, so wherever in in Europe that they have Norway, yeah, yeah. Um, just go see glaciers because they're just they're they're really fascinating things. Um, but also, yeah, Alaska is super cool. Um, it was it was a really really cool trip. Yeah, yeah, it was a great time. We're super excited, uh, and we've been. I think we're going to become cruise, cruise people. people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we are super invested in cruise YouTube. And <laughs> yeah. Th- what have you been doing for the last four months? Well, you haven't been podcasting if, Alicia and Michael I didn't, watching cruise YouTube. <laughs> if I didn't hate how I look in photos and videos, I think you would be a cruise YouTuber. I would absolutely be all about being a you, cr- you cruise You could be YouTuber. like dead mouse or something like that. And like wear a, a mask. a mask and that could be yeah. your gimmick could be it yeah just one of those horse heads on every cruise and just be a weirdo yeah hmm 
I, I just want to live the life where you could like go on a cruise and then make a video and that video would produce enough money to go on your next cruise. Yes. Like yeah. that's the life I want. I want to live a life where I can go on cruise critic and find a cruise to Ensenada for like $150 for four nights and just do it. In You're like, Hey, next July. week there's this thing. Like, you want to go? Like, hey, there's like, a cruise yeah, sure. in on, you know, in mid July. You want to go? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Someday, someday, someday. someday. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna that's gonna wrap up this episode. I don't know that it was the greatest episode we've ever recorded. Probably not. We're getting back into our uh, groove. It's fine. Yeah, and the the great thing is we're coming back. But yet, literally tomorrow, we're we're or as you listen to this, we're probably on a plane to Florida. Yeah, <laughs> we're going away for a week for a uh, a work trip. Um. So yeah, we'll be back um next week. Hopefully with another podcast and we'll be back talking to SC. So send us your emails, randomtroyfansite.com. And you know how to reach us on Twitter at Random Troy and all that stuff. So thanks as always for listening. We missed you guys tremendously. We hope you missed us. Probably didn't. You're probably like listening to like, I don't know, other podcasts now. Like Keely's got a podcast. Yeah, now? Keely's like, got a podcast. Just murdering like, us just now. Absolutely destroyed. Like, yeah, jeez. <laughs> can't keep up, man. Oh well. Right. You know who else is back? Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson. There's your USC basketball moment. Yeah, so. See ya. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> See ya. Bye. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.